today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. The frustration, the irritation, that's how the pearl's created. The diamond, pressure, heat, that's how it's created. That work of art, that's how it's created. If that's what it takes, then make no mistake about it. Into the kiln you go. Some of you might be here today, you're going, Pastor, I'm in the kiln. (laughs) I'm in the kiln right now. Praise the Lord. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. Throughout life, we will go through situations that are difficult. This is actually a promise by Jesus. He said, in this life, we will have troubles. However, the process of enduring trials and circumstances of all kinds makes us more like Jesus. In today's message, Pastor J.D. will be sharing about enduring through trials. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the Inspired in Truth podcast or download the Inspired in Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Daniel chapter 3 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Wait a minute. We threw them in. They were tied up, and they're not tied up anymore. What happened to the ropes that we tied them up with? Oh, they must have been burned off because they're loose now, and they're able to walk in the midst of of the fire. (laughs) It's kind of interesting because if you want to read on, I would encourage you to do so. This chapter is one of many that convinces me that God has got a great sense of humor. God invented humor, by the way. I hope you know that, right? But it's like Nebuchadnezzar's like, you guys, get out of there. And I'm thinking to myself, really? You threw me in here. Now you want me to come out? You know what? I'm good. Why don't you come in here, Nap? I'm sorry. That's not in the text, but I know they have clinical terms for people who see things like that. But it's kind of humorous to me. Is it not to you? And oh, by the way, it took that fiery furnace to burn off the ropes that bound me. You see where I'm going with this? That's why God allows the fiery trials in our lives. It's to burn off that which we are bound by. And God will do whatever it takes. And if it takes being thrown into this fiery trial to have this thing that I'm in bondage to, burned off, so be it. It takes uh, an earth-shaking event to get my attention, so be it. This is what I'll refer to as a divine shaken and bacon, a whole lot of shaking and bacon going on. Because if that's what it takes make no mistake about it, God loves you enough to do it. You're tied up, you're bound, you're in bondage to, you're in slavery to this. 
I tried to warn you about this. It's got to go. So here's how we're going to do it. (laughs) Going to allow the fiery trial. Oh, but God, it's so painful. It's so hard. Oh, but if you only knew what I was doing in and through this trial that I'm allowing into your life, I'm burning off that which binds you, that which holds you, that which is tethering you to this thing. It needs to go, and this is how I'm going to get rid of it in your life. I'm going to burn it off of your life. And is not our faith like that fire and gold that's purified by fire? You know how the goldsmith takes the gold and subjects it to a tremendous amount of heat. And in so doing, all of the impurities and the dross are, because of the heat, brought to the surface. And then the goldsmith takes that dross and he, and he scrapes it off the surface, and he knows he has pure gold when he can see his image reflected in that gold. By the way, this is Romans 8.29. I didn't say 8.28. I said 829. We all know 828. We love 828. But you need 29 to go at 28. Because we know that God works all things together for the good, for them that love Him and are called according to His purpose. But verse 29 tells us what the purpose is. What's the purpose? To make us more like Jesus. To shape us and conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. How's He going to do that? <laughs> so glad you asked. He's going to throw you into the fiery furnace, like the potter does with the clay. I've always kind of been intrigued by, you know, in in school, when you did the pottery, they had, they call it a kiln. Kiln, right? Am I right? Don't look at me like that. I'm already questioning myself. It's called a kiln, right? K-I-L-N, is that how they spell it? Perfect. That's exactly what it is. You're killing me. They t- the, p- the potter takes the clay, <laughs> and this is after it's been on the wheel, spinning around at a jillion miles an hour. Oh God, what are you doing? Oh, you have no idea. Wait till I'm done. No, this is horrible. I'm going to throw up. Throw up. Fine, but you're still on the wheel. And then the wheel stops. You're like... <gasps> Oh God, God, that was horrible. I'm not done yet. (laughs) He takes that that clay, because we're His workmanship. You know that word in the original language of the Greek New Testament is the Greek word poema, where we get our English word poem. It's, we're His work of art. He's just not done yet. Got a lot of work to do on some of his projects. (laughs) But this one's going to be some work. But I'm his workmanship, his work of art. So he takes me off that wheel, (laughs) lets me catch my breath for like four seconds, and then he shoves me in that kiln. And that's part of the process. It's a purifying process. Did you know this about a diamond? Whenever I have the privilege of doing a wedding, I always share this when it comes to the rings. You know that diamond 
started off as a black piece of coal, and over an elongated period of time subjected to intense pressure, pressure and heat, that black coal becomes a beautiful diamond. That's us. You know the parable we affectionately refer to as the pearl of great price? I don't know how you've heard that taught, but you know who the pearl is? Us. And He sells everything to purchase that field to get that pearl. You know how a pearl's created? Oh, goodness gracious. I, they say you learn something new every day. Well, for me, every week at least I learn something new. But I learned this about pearls in the uh, clam, right? Again, I'm questioning myself. This is not the kiln, the clam now. We're on clams. It's uh, an irritation. O oysters. I'm sorry. Thank you so much. Okay, it's been a long week. Oysters. Are we good? Everybody okay? Don't stone me to death yet. Okay, oysters. Okay, good. So the irritation creates the pearl. I wish it was not that way. The frustration, the irritation. That's how the pearl is created. The diamond, pressure, heat, that's how it's created. That work of art, that's how it's created. If that's what it takes, then make no mistake about it. Into the kiln you go. Some of you might be here today, you're going, Pastor, I'm in the kiln. <laughs> I'm in the kiln right now. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I can't wait to see, because you know what's going to happen. In fact, this last week I was thinking about this. I was spending some time in number six. We uh, uh, refer to it as the ironic blessing. The Lord bless you, and the Lord keep you, and make His face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you, and lift up His countenance to you, which means smiling, by the way. And by the way, please, please, please don't put the word may in front of there. It's not there. It's not, may the Lord bless you, not so sure, kind of, you know, jury's out. I'll pray that the Lord may bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you. And no, this, it's not may. This was what God commanded Moses to have Aaron speak to the people every time they were there at the tabernacle and subsequently the temple. In other words, I want them to know this and hear this all the time, that I'm a blessing God. And if you went to the tabernacle or temple more than once a day, you heard this more than once a day. It's chapter 6, I want to say it begins in about verse 22, and I think it goes on through verse 24. And by the way, it even gets better after the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you and give you peace. He says, then I'm going to put my name on them. Now in our culture in America, here in the West, we miss that completely. In the Middle East, to this day, in my culture as an Arab, it is the highest honor 
to be referred to and called by the name of your father. In fact, it is a greater honor as a pastor in the Middle East to be called by the name of your firstborn son than it is to be called pastor or or doctor or whatever your title is. So my firstborn son's name is Elias, and they will call me by my son's name, Abu, father of Elias, Elias, Abu Elias. How about the other way around? Even in the Gospels, Jesus, son of Joseph, they would refer to the son by the name of the father. What do we know to be true about the artist when they're finished with their work of art? They put their name on it. Their name is on it. That's my work. That's my workmanship. You know, it's been a while now, but when we read about how that God says, I've chosen Jerusalem to put my name on, what if I told you that He literally put His name on Jerusalem? His name of ownership. I'm going to put my name on you, my work of art. So you're in the kiln? Oh, can't wait to see what, what's going to come out. <laughs> because when you come out of there, and God, who is faithful to have begun that work, completes it, He's going to put His name on you. You're His work of art. Don't fight it. Let me just say one last thing before we move on to this last one. Don't fight it. Take it from me. Again, I got the scars to prove it. You fight the Lord, you know what happens. You unnecessarily prolong the fiery furnace. You unnecessarily prolong the shaking and the bacon. Just let God do what He's going to do. He's freeing you. He's unbinding you. He's burning off of you those ropes that you're bound to. Well, this brings us to the third one again in order in verses 28 and 29. It's always in the end for His glory and my good, because He wants to ultimately bring me back to Him, bring me back to worship. If you were to ask me what I thought God was doing with everything that's happening in this world today, this this would have to be it. Everything's upside down. Evil's good, good's evil. By the way, did you know that evil is live backwards? E-V-I-L-L-I-V-E. Devil, D-E-V-I-L. Is this too much? I don't know. I'm sorry if it is, but lived backwards. Diabolos is the... It's the opposite. Everything's backwards. Everything's upside down. You know why it's upside down? Because God shook, is shaking everything up. And He's shaking everything loose in people's lives. Things that people were trusting in, bound to, looking to. It's like God in His love is looking down saying, I see that you're putting your trust in that. Here comes the shaking and the bacon got to shake you loose. i got to shake that loose. 
Because you're relying on that. You're putting your trust in that. You know, you get into a study of the kings, and only nine kings did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. All the other kings did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And even the good kings, of whom it was said they did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, there were a couple of them that put their trust in their alliances with other nations and not in the Lord. And from that we actually have a very well-known passage in Second Chronicles 16 verse 9. When the prophet comes to the king and says, don't you know that the eyes of the Lord are searching to and fro throughout the earth, looking for hearts that are fully devoted to Him, fully relying on Him so that He can be strong on their behalf. What you've done is you put your trust in men. You've made an alliance, and it worked by the way, and you were successful and you prevailed. That's dangerous. When our strategies, the strategies in our own savvy and our own strength are successful, we actually pull it off. And God says, you know, when, when we're told that God is a jealous God, He's not jealous of us, He's jealous for us, because of His love for us. And it's like God saying, you know, I am the Lord your God. <laughs> And you're putting your trust in that. And you can just start the clock, because it's just a matter of time before you're going to be disappointed and devastated. Because that is no God at all. And you may have prevailed this time, but if you're relying on that, on them, on this, on that, and not me, well, that's what's happening right now. And the writer of Hebrews is very careful, and the Holy Spirit inspires him to write that this shaking is to remove that which can be removed, so that what remains is that which should remain, namely, his kingdom. So here's this shaking, here's this crisis. And what's it doing? Well, first of all, a lot of people, God has their attention now. And now that He's got their attention through everything that's happening, everything that they were trusting in, maybe financially, occupationally, relationally, Everything's been shaken up and loosened. And God is saying, I'm going to shake this up and it's going to loose you from that which you put your trust in. So the only thing that remains to put your trust in is me. And if that's what it takes, so be it. I've said it often, I hope you don't tire me of me saying it, I'll close with this, but I am convinced, and I truly believe this with all of my heart, that we have absolutely no idea 
How many people have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because of what is going on in the world today? And I'll even take it further and say that there are Christians who were not walking close to the Lord. And this has shaken them up and brought them back to the Lord. We get testimonies all the time from people. In fact, I, you know, whenever I prepare an update, or even a teaching for that matter, it's not what should I, you know, include, it's what do I have time for? And a lot of stuff I can't, you know, Sunday mornings I wake up early and I keep adding, and it's like the Lord saying, if you keep adding, you're those poor people will never be able to go home because it's just keeps getting longer and longer. It's, it's, now it's, how much do I have time for? I mean, time does not permit. Testimony after testimony. Got one last week. I, I may share it in the But God testimonies. Oh, so encouraging, so moving, so powerful. This online member says, you know, when, when this thing started, I heard about you. Somebody sent me the link. I watched you. I hated you. I didn't watch you again after that. I stopped listening to you. But then everything you said started happening. So I thought, man, I better go back and start listening to this dude again. <laughs> it's like, well, thank you very much. Thankfully, I won't look like this in heaven because I'm getting a new body. And, you know, no, we all know no man after the flesh, John says. I praise the Lord for that. Can't wait. I said, you know, I have never been more on fire for the Lord than I am now. And it took this <laughs> to bring me back to Him. I'm like, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I mean, if that's what it takes. One last thing. I look back on my life. I've been walking with the Lord for many years. In fact, January I'll be 40 years old. I look pretty good for 40, yeah? <laughs> 40 years old in the Lord. I look back on my <laughs> walk with the Lord. And I think about those painful times where, first of all, God didn't have my attention, but God got my attention. And then when He got my attention, boy, did He get my attention. And during the trial, again, I fought the Lord and made it worse. <laughs> And even when I would pray, it would seem like, you've ever had this happen when you pray, and it seems like the more you pray, the worse it gets? I'm like, I'm going to stop praying, man. It's like, the more I pray, the worse it gets. No more praying. God says, really? No, you're going to keep praying. It's not that God makes you pray. It's that you can't not pray. In fact, that's how you learn to pray, by the way. I look back over all of those times when God just had to get my attention, and once He got my attention, He did a glorious work that looking back in retrospect, I cannot imagine, had He not done that, what would have happened in my life. I can honestly say I doubt very much I'd be standing before you today, had He not done that. God wants our attention. God wants our devotion. God wants our worship. 
We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Throughout much of this book, Jesus is mentioned as the great high priest. Aren't you glad that you can go directly to him with your troubles? There's no need for an intermediary person to bridge the gap. Jesus became that bridge when he died on the cross. If you'd like to know or understand more about this concept, we encourage you to go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com and look for the resources tab. Under that, there's a link to the ABCs of salvation. This provides an in-depth overview of what it means to believe that Jesus died for your sins and saves you from a life and eternity without him. Hebrews simply touches on the fact that Jesus fulfilled all the things that were promised in the Old Testament. It's like when you're reading a spy novel and you're given clues earlier on, but then it all makes sense in the end. Would you like to connect with others in their faith walk? If you're not currently part of a church, join us at Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. We meet on Sundays at 8.30, 10.45 a.m. and Thursdays at 7 p.m. You can find directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you might be interested in some additional teachings by Pastor J.D., including his Mideast Prophecy Updates. This is an accurate look at what the Bible has to say about this current time in the world's history. That's all we have for today, but thanks for tuning in. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for the next edition as we learn more valuable things from the book of Hebrews right here on In Spirit and Truth. To 